Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams. Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging today, and I'm grateful to have a guest with us, Gary Gilmore. Gary, would you introduce yourself and a little bit about where you serve, how you serve at this time? Sure. Greetings to everybody. Gary Gilmore. My claim to fame in in this particular topic is that I was the state chaplain for the Missouri Army National Guard for uh, about a 10-year stretch. I was a local pastor who uh, joined the National Guard as a chaplain, and in a rural setting, I, I needed a little bit bigger world. Well, it made my world a lot bigger. I had the opportunity to deploy to uh, uh, the great Northwest uh, to Fort Leonard Wood here in Missouri. And then I tell everyone I got the all expense paid trip to Baghdad. So uh, <laughs> I saw the world a little bit. And then uh, we came back and worked out of Jefferson City for uh, the last 10 years of my career. And there we developed a program we called it Family Warrior Support. And it was intended for um, helping soldiers and their families, the soldier would deploy, but the family would stay home. And during this time of separation, um, there was anticipation, there was the separation and anxiety of being gone. Then there was the reunion phase of coming home after folks had changed and uh, reintegrating back into uh, civilian life. So the National Guard is a little different in that that our soldiers had jobs, they had families, they were teachers, business people, public servants, and they would be pulled out of that life uh, into a military life and then need to come back. And so uh, General Danner allowed us to create what we called Family Warrior Support. And it is there uh, with the pastoral uh, ministry skills for like 25, 30 years ahead of that, um, some simultaneous. And, and then some of it uh, just focused in, in each field. So that in, in me, veteran, and, and talking to uh, soldiers and their families, uh, that's, that's the expertise that I would bring to a conversation that we want to have today. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. So as we get into military service and talk about veterans and, and talk about uh, aging veterans specifically in a few moments, what are some characteristics that are that we need to consider when we're thinking about military service and and you know veterans being a special group we, we think of them as a special group of people uh, why yeah. why is that what what is what makes that so and and, and how can we uh, I guess better understand veterans from that perspective if, if, if you could uh, touch on that for us yeah um, military service while there are a lot of service oriented jobs or career paths, um, very few of them uh, have you raise your right hand and take an oath that says, I'm willing to pay any price uh, to get the mission done. And that might be as simple as being inconvenienced. It might require that I be separated from my family. It might require I lay down my life. And uh, because of that, it, it brings you into the military culture. It has a different set of laws, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. It's uh, more strict and more severe than uh, the civilian laws. The commander says, uh, don't do this. Well, you could be court-martialed, you could be drummed out of the service for disobedience. 
rarely does that happen in, in other jobs, not that there are no consequences. That and the culture, uh, the traditions, the ranks and the roles and the responsibilities. I've described it, um, not originally, I've heard other people say it too. It's like you write a blank check, you sign the bottom of the check, payable to the United States of America, but you leave the amount blank. Hmm. And some people are called to give everything they got. Others make a small donation, but it immerses you in this culture. And then depending on where our nation is in history at that time, it could be a time of peace or it could be a time of conflict. In my career, I had a before 9-11 experience, and then I had a totally different experience after 9-11. And so there's this overlap, there's this culture, there's this um, immersion into uh, a mission-focused society where everything you do, everything you say, uh, bears incredible responsibility. And I've had many people, all ages and all generations, they come up and they say, I, uh, I went into the service as a, a boy and I came out a man. Hmm. And now we have uh, females in the service. Now we have uh, civilian contractors who will come along and do what we do. So um, I would just say it's this total uh, life-absorbing and life-changing experience that makes veterans unique among all others. We found after uh, World War II and things like that, the, the VA, the Veterans Administration, medical care and all that, um, you get injured in ways that other people don't get injured. Mm -hmm. you, you could have things happen to you that, that uh, I don't know, we we, we have this envelope, so to speak, and you're either inside that envelope or you're, you're not inside that envelope. And um, the veterans have been consistent in saying people just don't understand unless they've been there. In fact, one guy said, if, if, uh, if you'd been there, I wouldn't have to explain it because I can't. Yeah. And, and, and if, you've, if you've been there, I don't have to explain it because you, you understand, you know. And so I don't think it's that veterans walk around with a chip on their shoulder. I think it's that veterans acknowledge that their experiences have shaped them. Many times it's a very positive thing, but sometimes it, it warps us. And we, we don't fit in the way we used to fit in. And, and that just then has some of those issues. So uh, again, we're not walking around trying to be cocky or conceited, but we are saying that, you know what, you write the blank back to your nation, and depending on what the nation asks you to do, it'll, it'll change your world. And so we just kind of have a tendency to go, we're going to hang around those folks, birds of a feather flock together. We're, we're going to find some comfort and some encouragement in that common uh, affliction or that common experience of a lifestyle of service. Well, that, that, that says a lot right there, obviously. Um, you know, and as you said, for, for many veterans, there's a positive experience, uh, regardless of the circumstance of their service. Some will yeah. come out positive. Uh, some will have 
you know, negative aspects, whether that's bodily injury or whatever, but beyond bodily injury, what I wanted, uh, what I'd like for you to speak on for our audience right now is the idea of moral injury. And yeah. as we think about caring for veterans, uh, both those who may be recently uh, out of service or whatever, or perhaps as it might be applicable to those uh, that are a part of this podcast listening audience that, that are older, um, how, how does moral injury carry on throughout the decades of life to, to a later point in life as well, Gary? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a huge, uh, huge topic. The, um, the basic definition in, in my mind, and again, this is not the the total research thing. I'm not the academic. I'm the guy who's been out talking with folks, but it's basically a violation of our value system that the basic morality that I had in my conscience and in my value system as I grew up, um, something happened where I, I witnessed something or something experienced in my own life has scraped across the tender places of that value system and, and injured us. Um, just an example, uh, children should not die. None of us want to see children suffer. And yet you go into a war zone or uh, we dealt with an enemy who, who view uh, children as expendable. And so they would use them as decoys or they would uh, uh, hurt them. Or I'm thinking of earlier generations now, uh, uh, the results of uh, civilian casualties or, or hardship that was brought upon innocent people. And, you know, we have this sense of justice within us that the, the soul that sins should die. It shouldn't be the innocent person that is punished for the evil that someone else does. And yet war doesn't discriminate. Um, very painful is when soldiers go in and, and they say, well, I'm going to be a, a guardian. I'm going to be a protector. I'm a positive soldier. And then they do things that are not positive. And then they have to ask themselves, how did, how did I do that? Okay. And what do I do with the fact that I did that? Do I deny that? Do I admit it? How do I make that right? Where do I go with that? And um, there's not been a lot of help. So the idea of moral injury is, is somewhat recent. There are some in the academic circles who wonder, um, is that really a real deal? The soldiers I talk to, it is a real deal. I, I fell short of my own value systems, or when I needed a moment of character, I, I caved in. Now, what do I do with that? What does that say about me, and, and how do I go forward? So moral injuries, when I violate that value system, and then you know, this is where I think Bible has stuff to say. If you cover your sin, you don't prosper. But if you confess and take your sin, you know, here, here we go. Um, so we may do that in our own heart with the Lord, but society think of us. I think of our Vietnam era veterans who um, 48 hours ago, they were in the jungle. It's finally their day to come home and they come home to an airport and they're holding baby killer signs and they're spitting on them. I know many veterans uh, told their family, bring me a change of clothes. They went into the bathroom at the airport and changed clothes and tried to come out and be a civilian. And so one identity on Monday was a totally different identity on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And there was no one to talk to. Where do you go with that? Who do you confide in? 
And, you know, now we're being a veteran again. Do they understand? Do they know what that's like? Um, you don't just want to sit down and bare your soul to someone who goes, well, boy, that's a simple, shallow head answer. You should have done this or you could have done that or why didn't you do something? Whereas you're aching in your soul and in your spirit going, those are not the issues I need to touch. I need someone who understands me. So that's the idea of moral injury. And I think our faith and in, in my role as a chaplain was able to speak to that in so many ways. Uh, wasn't always easy answers, but you know, why is there evil? Why would we have to go to war in the first place? Why do people act this way toward one another? You got put into that situation. This happened to you, or you were in this experience or this this battle, or or you just observed what happened, but it it is so against what you believe in and who you believe you are. Yeah. We need to talk about that. How does our faith speak to that? So that kind of thing. Absolutely. So you mentioned that moral injury is is more of a recent term. I mean, obviously that idea uh -huh. has existed for you know eons at this point, but but the yes. the term behind it, the, the thought process behind it is new. And yet you mentioned Vietnam and you mentioned the idea of someone going in and, and trying to hide that identity that was, uh, that was necessary 48 hours before in a, in, in a jungle. Right. Right. So, um, help, help the audience a little bit, Gary, especially as we think about uh, some of the people that, that are seniors today that are having, receiving care, uh, in a rehab facility mm -hmm. or Baptist home type of facility. Many of them may have served in world war II or Korea. Uh -huh. And in World War II, obviously, uh, it was a rallying cry, everybody, all hands on deck, you know, Rosie the Riveter, everything. Whereas, yeah, as you just yeah. mentioned, Vietnam, uh, th there was there was a lot of divergent opinion on that. And so how does, how does where you're stationed, how you're stationed, the timing yeah. of the of the of the combat, whether World War II, even Korea, maybe to a lesser extent, more like Vietnam. Mm -hmm. But how does all of that play into uh, this idea of moral injury and even trauma? If if, if we want to move to the idea of trauma as well uh, for, these, yeah. for these people, man, that is a great question, and um, it has answers in in several different ways. If if I could just kind of maybe take those one at a time, absolutely. Um, we're tied into our, our history. We view as a, as a society, World War II is kind of the last good war. For sure, it was the last war we, we were certain of the outcome. There was no doubt both Japan and Germany surrendered. But World War II vets I've talked to, it mattered whether they were in Europe or whether they were in the Pacific theater of war. And so the experiences, even though they may have been combat veterans, um, were very, very different. The climate was different. The, the, the enemy was different. The, the whole uh, context of uh, working with the allies was different. I, I do find that uh, for most folks, when, when our soldiers and airmen and Marines came home, Coast Guard, I don't want to leave anybody out, uh, Navy, sure. uh, when, when they came home, there was something therapeutic about it took a lot of time. In fact, one of the, the theories is that when it, with all the soldiers coming home on the Navy ships, it took four weeks or so 
Well, they had four weeks to process what had happened with each other. And they said, well, your experience is a lot like mine. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to be okay. Hmm. Uh, the, the newer veterans get that on an airplane, you're home real fast. And there's no decompression. I would say for our World War II guys and gals, and uh, we're nearing very few of those folks left, but there comes a moment when they may not have talked about it their whole life. They, they realize that uh, our time is short and maybe the family needs to know, or maybe they need a trusted pastor, a trusted friend, a trusted battle buddy that they could let that out and, and just say, hey, this is my story. This is what happened to me. I'm proud of this part. I'm not proud of that part, but it, it does us a world of good confession or just acknowledging, saying again, this is, this is my experience and um, it's a part of my life. I think the older we get, the more important it is to put our military service in the story of our whole life. It may have been a small chapter. It may have been a 20-year chapter. It may have been a, a, a 30 mega career. But whatever length that story is, it fits in the larger story of your whole life. And there's some peace and reconciliation with ourselves and with the Lord and with society when we say, this was my calling. This is what I did. And I'm ready to to admit that and I let go of what I've carried for so long. That's healthy. Uh, same thing with Korea. Uh, very, very important that when you're ready, uh, you find somebody to talk to. And uh, it, it may be that the family wants to make a big deal out of it and honor you as a hero. It may be that, that they don't. It, it's about you being uh, congruous, being consistent, having integrity in yourself. So don't be afraid of that. Don't run from that. It's important. It's a part of your life. It's a part of your story. God is still in that. Let's celebrate that. Hmm. Our Vietnam guys, some of them volunteered, but very few of them did. That was the last time we had the draft. And they got plucked out of of uh, a normal life. You know, uh, a lot of folks go, gee, these poor kids today, they're not getting, with COVID, they're not getting their graduation party. And the Vietnam vets are going, yeah, you want to tell me tell you the graduation party I got to go to? Yeah. It was at the, the medical processing center, you know, and from there, boot camp and, and beyond. Um, but, but there were horrible things. It was a horrible time. And it didn't enjoy the support of the public. And a lot of vets have felt betrayed because we went over, we lost buddies, we sacrificed, it was miserable. And then uh, nobody said, thank you. Nobody said, welcome home. So there again, I think it's important that we identify that and bring that congruency or that integrity, that one-to-one -one correspondence with, it's okay to say it was bad. It's okay to say, I, I may have reacted poorly to what happened, but it's also okay to say, but that's not the whole story. There's the rest of my life that, that uh, I've worked on and I've dealt with and I've carried this and I've supported other vets and I've been a part of that and, and that counts. And uh, we've got to, we got to 
we got to say, if the war experience counts, well, being home and doing good counts too. So we're, we're prone not to do that. We get focused in and emotionally centered on the, the negative, so to speak, or the wartime only, but it fits into the larger story of our life and we get to control that. And so that that's kind of the, the flavors that I've experienced. Thank you for joining us today. In the next episode, I will continue the conversation with retired chaplain Gary Gilmore as we discuss how to support veterans in the latter stages of their life. Biblical Perspectives on Aging is brought to you by Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, a ministry committed to setting a Christ-like standard of care for the aging. For more information, go to thebaptisthome.org. That's all one word, thebaptisthome.org. Together, we can be the voice for the aging. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, go to www.thebaptisthome.org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.